Chapter Two of Olga Romanoff by George Griffith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Olga Romanoff by George Griffith. Chapter Two A Crownless King. Late in the evening of the same day, two of the President's audience, the only two, who had heard his words with anger and hatred instead of gratitude and joy, were together in a small but luxuriously furnished room in an octagonal turret which rose from one of the angles of a large house on the southern slopes of the heights of Hampstead. One was a very old man whose once giant frame was wasted and shrunken by the slow siege of many years, and on whose withered, care-lined features death had already set its fatal seal. The other was a young girl, in all her pride and glory of budding womanhood, and beautiful with the dark imperious beauty that is transmitted like a priceless heirloom along a line of proud descent, unstained by any drop of base-born blood. Yet in her beauty there was that which repelled as well as attracted no sweet and gentle woman's soul looked out of the great deep eyes that changed from dusky violet to the blackness of a starless night as the sun and shade of her varying moods swept over her inner being her straight dark brows were almost masculine in their firmness and the voluptuous promise of her full red sensuous lips was belied by the strength of her chin and the defiant poise of her splendid head on the strongly moulded throat, whose smooth skin showed so dazzling white against the dark purple velvet of the collar of her dress. It was a beauty to enslave and command rather than to woo and win. The fatal loveliness of a Cleopatra, a Lucretia, or a Messalina, a charm to be used for evil rather than for good. In a few years, she would be such a woman as would drive men mad for the love of her, and giving no love in return, use them for her own ends and cast them aside with a smile when they could serve her no longer. The old man was lying on a low couch of magnificent furs, against whose dark lustre the grey pallor of his skin and the pure silvery whiteness of his still thick hair and beard showed up in strong contrast. He had been asleep for the last four hours, resting after the exertion of going to the cathedral. And the girl was sitting watching him with anxious eyes, every now and then leaning forward to catch the faint sounds of his slow and even breathing, and make sure that he was still alive. A clock in one of the corners of the room chimed a quarter to nine, as the old man raised his hand to his brow and opened his eyes. They rested for a moment on the girl's face, and then wandered inquiringly about the room, as though he expected someone else to be present. Then he said, in a low, weak voice, What time is it? Has Sergei come yet? No, said the girl, glancing up at the clock. That was only a quarter to nine, and he is not due until the hour. No, I remember. I don't suppose he can be here much before. Meanwhile, get me the draft ready, so that I shall have strength to do what has to be done before. 
are you sure it is necessary for you to take that terrible drug why should you sacrifice what may be months or even years of life to gain a few hours renewed youth the girl's voice trembled as she spoke and her eyes melted in a sudden rush of tears the one being that she loved in all the world was this old man and he had just told her to prepare his death draught do as i bid you child he said raising his voice to a querulous cry and do it quickly while there is yet a time why do you talk to me of a few more months of life to me whose eyes have seen the snows of a hundred winters whitening the earth i tell you that drug or no drug i shall not see the setting of to-morrow's sun as i slept i heard the rush of the death angel's wings through the night and the wind of them was cold upon my brow do as i bid you quick there is the door telephone sergey is here as he spoke a ring sounded in the lower part of the house accustomed to blind obedience from her infancy the girl choked back her rising tears and went to a little cupboard let into the wall out of which she took two small vials each containing about a fluid ounce of colourless liquid she placed a tumbler in the old man's hand and emptied the vials into it simultaneously there was a slight effervescence and the two colourless liquids instantly changed to a deep red the moment that they did so the dying man put the glass to his lips and emptied it at a gulp then he threw himself back upon his pillows and let the glass fall from his hand upon the floor at the same moment a little disc of silver flew out at right angles to the wall near the door and a voice said sergey nikolovitch is here to command sergey nikolovitch is welcome let him ascend said the girl walking towards the transmitter and replacing the disc as she ceased speaking a few minutes later there was a tap on the door the girl opened it and admitted a tall splendidly built young fellow of about twenty-two dressed according to the winter costume of the time in a close-fitting suit of dark blue velvet long boots of soft brown leather that came a little higher than the knee and a long fur-lined hooded cloak which was now thrown back and hung in graceful folds from his broad shoulders as he entered the girl held out her hand to him in silence a bright flush rose to her clear pale cheeks as he instantly dropped on one knee and kissed it as in the old days a favoured subject would have kissed the hands of a queen welcome sergey nikolovitch prince of the house of romanov your bride and your crown are waiting for you the words came clear and strong from the lips which but a few moments before had barely been able to frame a coherent sentence the strange drug had wrought a miracle of restoration fifty years seemed to have been lifted from the shoulders of the man who would never see another sunrise the light of youth shone in his eyes and the flush of health on his cheeks the deep furrows of age and care had vanished from his face and saving only for his long white hair if one who had seen alexander romanov the last of the tsars of russia on the battlefield of muswell hill could have come back to earth he would have believed that he saw him once more in the flesh 
without any assistance he rose from the couch and drew himself up to the full of his majestic height and as he did so the young man dropped on his knee before him as he had done before the girl and said in russian the honour is too great for my unworthiness may heaven make me worthy of it worthy you are now and shall remain as long as you shall keep undefiled the faith and honour of the imperial house from which you are sprung replied the old man in the same language raising him from his knees as he spoke then he laid his hands on the young man's shoulder and looking him straight in the eyes went on sergey nikolovitch you know why i have bidden you come here to-night speak now without fear of falsehood and tell me whether you come prepared to take that which i have to give you and to do that which i shall ask of you if there is any doubt in your soul speak it now and go in peace for the task that i shall lay upon you is no light one nor may it be undertaken without a whole heart and a soul that is undivided by doubt the young man returned his burning gaze with a glance as clear and steady as his own and replied it is for your majesty to give and for me to take for you to command and for me to obey tell me your will and i will do it to the death in the hour that i fail may heaven's mercy fail me too and may i die as one who is not fit to live spoken like a true son of russia said the old man taking his hands from his shoulders and beckoning the girl to his side then he placed them side by side before an icon fastened to the eastern wall with an ever-burning lamp in front of it he bade them kneel down and join hands and as they did so he took his place behind them and raising his hands as though in invocation above their heads he said in slow solemn tones now sergey nikolovitch and olga romanov sole heirs on earth of those who once were tsars of russia swear before heaven and all its holy saints that when this body of mine shall have been committed to the flames you will take my ashes to petersburg and lay them in the church of peter and paul and that when that is done you will go to the losenskys at moscow and there in the aspensky sabor where your ancestors were crowned take each other for wedded wife and husband according to the ancient laws of russia and the rites of the orthodox church the oath was taken by each of the now betrothed pair in turn and then poor romanov great-grandson of alexander the last of the tsars raised them from their knees and kissed each of them on the forehead then taking from his neck a gold chain with a small key attached to it he went to one of the oak panels from which the walls of the room were lined and pushed aside a portion of the apparently solid beading disclosing a keyhole into which he inserted the key he turned the key and pulled and the panel swung slowly out like a door it was lined with three inches of solid steel and behind it was a cavity in the wall from which came the sheen of gold and the gleam of jewels a cry of amazement broke at the same moment from the lips of both olga and sergey as they saw what the glittering object was paul romanov took it out of the steel-lined cavity and laid it reverently on the table saying as he did so 
to-morrow i shall be dead and this house and all that is in it will be yours this is my most precious possession the imperial crown of russia stolen when the kremlin was plundered in the days of the terror and restored secretly to my father by the faith and devotion of one of the few who remained loyal after the fall of the empire in a few hours it will be yours i leave it to you as a sacred heritage from the past for you to hand on to the future and with it you shall receive and hand on the heritage of hate and vengeance which you shall keep hot in your hearts and in the hearts of your children against the day of reckoning when it comes now sit down on the divan yonder and listen with your ears and your hearts as well for these are the last words that i shall speak with the lips of flesh and you must remember them that you may tell them to your children and perchance to their children after them as i now tell them to you for the hour of vengeance may not come in your day nor yet in theirs though in the fullness of time it shall come and therefore the story must never be forgotten while a romanov remains to remember it the old man on whom the strange drug that he had taken was still exercising its wonderful effects threw himself into an easy chair as he spoke and motioned them with his hand towards a second low couch against one of the walls covered with cushions and draped with neutral tinted silken hangings olga moving as it seemed with the unconscious motion of a somnambulist allowed her form to sink back upon the cushions until she sat and half reclined on them and sergey laying one of the cushions on the floor sat at her feet and drew one of his hands unresistingly over his shoulder and kept it there as though she were caressing him and sergey laying one of the cushions on the floor sat at her feet and drew one of her hands unresistingly over his shoulder and kept it there as though she were caressing him thus they waited for poor romanov to teach them the lessons that they had sworn to teach in turn to the generations that were to come the old man regarded them in silence for a moment or two and as he did so the angry fire died out of his eyes and his lips parted in a faint smile as he said rather in soliloquy to himself than to them as it was in the beginning it is now and for ever shall be until the end empires wax and vain and dynasties rise and fall revolutions come and go and the face of the world is changed but the mystery of the sex the beauty of woman and the love of man endure changeless as destiny for they are destiny itself as he spoke the fixed rigid look melted from olga's face the bright flush rose again to her cheeks and she bowed her royal head and looked almost tenderly at the blonde ruddy young giant at her feet after all he was her fate and she might well have had a worse one then after a brief pause paul romanoff began to speak again slowly and quietly with his eyes fixed on the glittering symbol of the vanished sovereignty of his house as though he were addressing it and communing with the mournful memories that it recalled from the past 
it is a hundred and twenty-five years since the hand of Natas the Jew came forth out of the unknown and struck you from the brow of the last of the Tsars. On the day that Natas died, I was born a hundred years ago. There are barely a score of men left on earth who have seen and spoken with the men who saw the great revolt and the beginning of the terror and I alone, of the elder line of Romanov, remain to pass the story of our house of shame and ruin on, so that it may not be forgotten against the day of vengeance that I have waited for in vain. But I have no time left for dreams or vain regrets. Listen, children of the present, and take my words with you into the future that it is not given to me to see. He passed his hands upwards over his eyes and brow, and then went on, speaking now directly to Olga and Sergey, in a quick, earnest tone, as though he feared that his fictitious strength would fail him before he could say what he had to say. When Alexander, the last of the crowned emperors of Russia, fell down dead on the morning after he reached the mines of Kara, to which the terrorists had exiled him, as a convict for life, those who remained to his family and who had taken no part in the war were allowed to return to Europe on condition that they lived the lives of private citizens and sought no share in the government of any country to which they were allied by marriage or otherwise. Only two of those who had survived the march to Siberia were able to avail themselves of this permission, and these were Olga the daughter of Alexander and Sergei Nikolovich, the youngest son of his nephew Nicholas. These two settled at the court of Denmark, and there, two years later, Olga married Prince Ingeborg, her firstborn son. The only one of her children who lived beyond infancy was my father, as my own firstborn son was yours, Olga Romanov. Sergei, Marie Dagmar, the youngest daughter of the House of Denmark. Three years later, and from him you, Sergei Nikolovich, are descended in the fourth generation. Thus in you will be united the only two remaining branches of the once mighty House of Romanov. May the day come when in you or your children its ancient glories shall be restored. Amen, said Olga and Sergei in a single breath. And as she uttered the words, Olga's eyes fell on the lost crown upon the table, and for the moment they seemed to flame with the inner fires of a quenchless rage. Poor Romanov's eyes answered hers flash for flash, for the same hatred and longing for revenge possessed them both. The old man, who had carried the weight of a hundred years to the brink of the grave, and the young girl, whose feet were still lingering on the dividing line between girlhood and womanhood. Then he went on, speaking with an added tone of fierceness in his voice. From the day of my birth until this, the night of my death, it has been impossible to do anything to recover that which you lost in the great revolt. Not that stour hearts and keen brains and willing hands have been wanting for the work, but because the strong arms of the terror has encircled the earth, 
with unbreakable bonds because its eye has never slept and because its hand has hurled infallible destruction upon all who have dared to take the first step towards freedom natas spoke truly then he said that the terrorists had ruled the world by force and alan arnold today spoke truly after him when he said that the supremacy of the aryans was based upon the force that they could bring to bear upon any who revolted against them through their possession of the empire of the air it is this priceless possession that gives them the command of the world and for a hundred years they have guarded it so jealously that they have slain without mercy all who have ventured to take even the first step towards an independent solution of the mighty problem which richard arnold solved a hundred and twenty-six years ago the last man who died in this cause was my only son and your father olga remember that for it is not the least item in the legacy of revenge that i bequeath to you to-night he had devoted his life as many others had done before him to the task of discovering the secret of the motive power of the terrorist airship the year you were born success had crowned the efforts of ten years of tireless labour working with the utmost secrecy in a lonely hut buried in the forests of norway he and six others who were as he thought devoted to him and the glorious cause of wrestling the empire of the world from the grasp of the terrorists had built an airship that would have been swifter and more powerful than any of their aerial fleet two days before she was ready to take to the air one of his men deserted the traitor was never seen again but the next night a terrorist vessel descended from the clouds and in a few minutes not a vestige of our airship or her creators remained only a blackened waste in the midst of the forest was left to show the scene of their labours within forty-eight hours it was known all over the civilised world that vladimir romanov and his associates had been killed by order of the supreme council for endeavouring to build an airship in defiance of its commands such as the enemies against whom you will have to contend they are still virtually the masters of the world and the task before you is to wrest that mastery from them it is no light task but it is not impossible for the aryans are after all but men and women as you are and what they have done other men and women can surely do the great secret cannot always remain theirs alone while they actively control the nations nothing could be done against them for their hand was everywhere and their eyes saw everything but now they have abdicated the throne of the world and left the nations to rule themselves as they can for a time things will go on in their present grooves but that will not be for long i who am their bitterest enemy on earth am forced to confess that the terrorists have proved themselves to be the wisest as well as the strongest of despots under their rule the world has become a paradise for the canal and the multitude but they have curbed the mob as well as the king 
and abolish the demagogue as well as the despot. Now the strong hand is lifted and the bridle loosed, and before many years have passed, the brute strength of the multitude will have begun to assert itself. The so-called kings of the earth, who rule now in a mockery of royalty, will speedily find that the real kings of the old days rule because in the last resource they had armies and navies at their command and could enforce obedience. These are but the puppets of the popular will, and now is that the moral and the physical support of the Supreme Council and its aerial fleet is taken from them, they will see democracy run rampant, and having no strength to stem the tide, they will have to float visit, or be submerged by it. In another generation, the voice of the majority, the blind brute force of numbers, will rule everything on earth. What government they may be will be a mere matter of counting heads. Individual freedom will by swift degrees vanish from the earth. And human society will become a huge machine, grinding all men down to the same level until the monotony of life becomes unendurable. Hitherto, all democracies in the history of the world have been ended by military despotism. But now, military despotism has been made impossible, and so democracy will run riot until it plunges the world into social chaos. This may come in your time, or in your children's, but it is the opportunity for which you must work and wait. Even now you will find in every nation thousands of men and women who are chafing against the limitations imposed on individual aspirations and ambitions. And as the rule of democracy spreads and becomes heavier, the number of these will increase, until at last revolt will become possible, nay, inevitable. Of this revolt you must make yourselves the guiding spirits. The work will be long and arduous, but you have all your lives before you, and the rewards of success will be glorious beyond all description. Not only will you restore the house of Romanov to its ancient glories in yourself and your children, but you will enthrone it in an even higher place than that which your ancestors had almost won for it. When these thrice-accursed terrorists turn the tide of battle against him on the threshold of the conquest of the world. Do not shrink from the task, or despair because you are now only two against the world. Think of Natas and the mighty work that he did, and remember that he was once only one against the world which in the day of battle he fought and conquered. Above all things, never let your eyes wander from the land of the aliens, that once conquered and the world is yours to do with as you will. To do that, you must first conquer the air as they have done. 
area itself by all reports is such a paradise as the sun nowhere else shines upon some day whether by force or cunning it may be yours and when it is the world also will be yours to be your footstool and your plaything and all the peoples of the earth shall be your servants to do your bidding yes i can see through the mists of the coming years and beyond the grave that opens at my feet aerial navies flying the eagle of russia and scaling the mighty battlements of area hurling their lightnings far and wide and the work of vengeance long delayed behind the battle i see darkness that my weak eyes cannot pierce but yours shall see clearly where mine are clouded with the falling mists of death the shadows are closing round me and the sands in the glass are almost run out yet one thing remains to be done since alexander romanov died at the mines of kara no czar of russia has been crowned now i paul romanov his rightful heir will crown myself after the fashion of my ancestors and then i will crown you the daughter of my murdered son and you will place the diadem on your husband's brow then god has made you one so saying the old man rose from his seat with his face flushed and his eyes aglow with the light of ecstasy olga and sergey rose to their feet half in fear and half in wonder as they looked upon his transfigured countenance he lifted the imperial crown from the table and then drawing himself up to the full height of his majestic stature raised it high above his head and lowered it slowly down towards his brow the jewel circlet of gold had almost touched the silver of his snowy hair when the light suddenly died out of his eyes leaving the glaze of death behind it he gasped once for breath and then his mighty form shrank together and pitched forward in a huddled heap at their feet flinging the crown with a dull crash to the floor and sending it rolling away into a corner of the room god grant that may not be an omen olga said sergey covering his eyes with his hands to shut out the sudden horror of the sight omen or not i will do his bidding to the end said the girl slowly and solemnly then her pent-up passion of grief burst forth in a long wailing cry and she flung herself down on the prostrate form of the only friend she had ever known and loved and laid her cheek upon his and let the welling tears run from her eyes over those that had for ever ceased to weep end of chapter two